It's August 17th, 2005, and a group of six friends are out at dinner having a good time. They're in Provo, Utah, like 45 minutes from Salt Lake City. And one of the girls in the group, 21-year-old Jennifer Galbraith, brings up a secret underwater cave. The way she talks about it sounds like an amazing underwater expedition. If you can find it, you get to swim through an underwater tunnel to a secret room on the other side. Steve Hunley chimes in. He's 20 years old and had been in the cave before and knew what Jennifer was talking about. He remembered how cold it was the many times he had been in there. So she started talking about the one time she had been in the cave and passed out from how ridiculously cold the water was. One thing led to another and they started jokingly calling Gollum Cave the Cave of Death. She obviously got out safely and was there to tell the tale, so the group started talking about going to explore it themselves since everyone else hadn't been there yet. Unfortunately, they didn't realize how accurate that nickname would be. I'm Tatiana, and this is Occurrence. So the group decided to go to the cave, but Steve had to bail on the plan since he had to go to work. The others got in a car and went to the cave that was located on Y Mountain by the old Seven Peaks Golf Course, which is just east of BYU's campus. So they park in a parking lot near where the cave entrance is, and it's not a far walk and the weather is decent enough. So the boys take off their shirts and are in shorts and sandals, and they head towards the cave entrance. They have a flashlight and are searching in the dark since it's 3 a.m., but they locate the entrance. It's hidden and not big at all. And I imagine at first glance, everyone was looking at this entrance skeptically. It's like three feet wide and partially hidden by bushes and a couple of boulders. But at second glance, they realized once they go in, they can actually hunger along a flat surface without water. And this stretch went on for roughly 90 feet. So all five of them crawl along in the dark before reaching an area that branches off to the right to an unexplored area of the cave, and straight ahead slants down to a hole that they would have to drop through vertically into the water. Now, four of them are from Utah, and if you listen to the Nutty Putty episode I did, you know going into caves is something very common for people in Utah. A lot of times it's what they do for fun. So Blake, Scott, Jennifer, and Ariel are a bit more comfortable taking this chance looking at this small hole and dropping into water with no sense of what to expect once they're underwater. The fifth member, Joseph, was from Nevada and in a band with all of them, but he looked at this hole and decided he had gone far enough. This was the end of his adventure. He was not going into that hole. He said, you guys got it. I'm going to wait here. So he stayed at the underwater entrance while the others went in to explore. They entered the low ceiling area that slanted down and went into the hole and swam down six feet before swimming straight 15 feet in the two foot wide, four foot high tunnel to reach the other side to the inner chamber or secret room. There was a rope attached to a rock in the main cave that went through the tunnel and was attached to a plank of wood in the inner chamber. The chamber is about six feet high from floor to ceiling with two to three feet of water inside. The water level is low enough for people to stand comfortably, and the room is wide enough for six to eight people to be inside at the same time. Now Joseph is waiting, and as time passed, he started getting concerned. He couldn't see or hear anything from where he was at, and after 45 minutes, he started calling people he knew that might have been in the cave before. He's calling around, and some people answer, but others don't. It's about 4.30 a.m. when the others actually went underwater, and most people were asleep at that time. 
But time was passing and he couldn't shake this bad feeling, so at 6.30 a.m., he caved and called 911. The police and rescue team arrive and they're a bit confused. Authorities weren't aware this cave was even a thing, let alone that for at least the past year, students had been exploring it. Since Joseph hadn't been in the cave, the only thing he could really tell them was what Jennifer described about them going underwater and swimming to a chamber on the other side. So the rescue team pumps air into the cave while pumping water out, thinking they would just give the group clean air until they could figure out how to get to them safely. But a couple hours later, when they had a plan formed and went to go inside to get the group out, they didn't get far before stumbling onto the remains of Jessica, and just past her were the other three in the group. It appeared as though everyone had drowned trying to get back out of the tunnel, because the way they were positioned had them facing the tunnel entrance in a line, with pretty much one behind the other. Everyone was retrieved from the tunnel, and the cause of death was determined to be drowning. This was a known unknown with the young people in the area, and prior to this, no one had died doing this activity. And for the past 20 years in this area, there hadn't been any cave accidents. So there are a few theories, the last one being a pretty interesting take. But the first theory is, on the way back, Jennifer was in front. She was the one who knew the cave and introduced everyone else in the group to it. So of course she would be the one to guide them back out. The first time she was in the cave, she passed out from the cold. It may have happened again while she was underwater this time, and her losing consciousness in the tight tunnel prevented everyone from being able to push through. Jennifer goes first, and maybe passed out, and the second person to go wouldn't have known she didn't get through, so when they went to swim out, they ran into her and would have been shocked to come across her unmoving in the tunnel. They would have tried to push her forwards or going around, but there just wasn't enough space in the two-foot-wide tunnel. And if it had even crossed the second person's mind to go in reverse back out into the inner chamber before they started running out of air, the third person would have been behind them and blocking them in by now. The pattern would have continued to the fourth person as everyone drowned. Unable to go forward and too panicked or having too little air to try and go backwards. Another theory is that what happened is similar to what almost happened before with Brian Lambry. He was a former student that had apparently gone into the cave three weeks before this happened. When he went to swim back out, he swam past the entrance to the water hole and hit a dead end on the other side. The dirt that gets kicked up when swimming through the tunnel kept him from being able to see even with a flashlight. So he was panicking and patting his hands along the ceiling while pushing backwards. Just when he was about to run out of air and suck in a bunch of water, he grabbed onto the edge of the water hole and pushed his head through the surface and was able to get out. He immediately knew he would never go back there and would never show it to anyone he knew. And he was with people who were frequent visitors to the cave. So that could have happened to Jennifer. She just couldn't find the entrance and then the chain reaction happened leading to everyone drowning. The last theory is also plausible, but hasn't been confirmed. The chamber they swam to on the other side was sealed. We know they had a few feet of clearance to be able to stand with their heads above water, but there was no open airflow to let fresh air in. And when the rescue team went into the chamber, they found old, used candles. So we know our normal breathable air is made of roughly 78% nitrogen and 21% oxygen, with small amounts of other gases mixed in there. It's possible that the stagnant water, enclosed space, lit candles, and multiple people over time breathing and talking increased the amount of carbon dioxide in the chamber while the oxygen level was depleted. 
So this change in the air composition would have turned the air bad and made it difficult to breathe fairly quickly. The group would have noticed this and may have started feeling lightheaded with their thinking and movements becoming impaired. Jessica would have left first, knowing the way better, but with already poor air quality, that deep breath everyone takes before going underwater wouldn't have lasted her as long as good air would have. The second, third, and fourth person going out with a minute or two of waiting between each of them would mean that one by one, they had to leave with increasingly impaired movements and lowered breathing capacity. Not to mention the increase in panic knowing you have to wait for the tunnel to be clear but not being able to breathe. They each would have gone back through the tight, dark tunnel, unable to see, thinking they just had to make it to the entrance on the other side. They had no way to know there was no way back until they ran into the friend in front of them. After the disaster, the authorities sealed up the cave with concrete and rocks. They said their regret was not knowing about the cave sooner because they would have sealed it off before to prevent something like this from happening at all. So what do you think about the Gollum Cave tragedy? Leave your thoughts in the comments. And if you like stories like this, don't forget to follow or subscribe for more. Stay safe, and I'll see you next time.